You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Today, my guest is Philip Gates. Philip is an innovative director and performer and a really hardworking artist. I'm so excited to hear about his process and experiences making work in New York City. Phil and I met a few years ago when he was producing a play that I was in, and lucky for me, he and playwright Adam Scott Mazur then asked me to be a part of an exploratory workshop. Uh, We devised material based on the true story of the Donner Party, which if you don't know what that is, please go Google it. I did not know at the time, and it's a crazy true story. And now, two years later, we're about to open uh, our second run of a play called The Tower, which Adam wrote based on that material. It is immersive and bloody and fun, and I hope you'll join us. You'll hear more about that play and process from Philip over the course of this podcast. But if you have a chance, please come check it out. It's going to be at Here Art Center, December 4th through 19th, 2015. This is the first time I'm talking with someone that I'm currently in the process of working with on The Compass, so I'm excited about that. I hope you enjoy the 14th episode of The Compass. It's funny, like, right after, you know, we scheduled this conversation today, you know, I was on Facebook and uh, the New York Times, you know, some sponsored post from the New York Times came up mm-hmm. and it was this article that was like, do you have imposter syndrome? And I looked at that and I was like, this is, I was like, this is exactly, this is exactly what I'm <laughs> going to talk about. I feel about like that's only Leo. been a term recently, but I totally connect with it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then I read the piece, and it, apparently it stems from some, I guess, a study. It was, like, in the 70s or something that they actually coined this term. But, yeah, but basically, it's despite all evidence and affirmation from other people and external sources that you are intelligent, creative, capable, you feel like a total fraud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, constantly. Yeah. Um, and that that is definitely sort of what I struggle with and that's sort of my my main demon I guess I would say the biggest yeah. scary the big boss that's how it manifests. the big boss yeah that's how it manifests for me is just thinking is this being in a, in a room with a bunch of people and going I don't I don't belong here like yeah. these people are all so smart I'm the weakling and so capable weakling. exactly exactly and like and every I'm not prepared like everybody is more mm-hmm. everybody's done more than me everybody has more to contribute than me like where do I where do I get off thinking and especially as a director yeah. um, you know where where do I get off thinking that I uh, can lead <laughs> these yeah. people um yeah, like who who voted me in charge? <laughs> no one. Yeah, that is interesting <laughs> since like, you're in a power like a position of authority. Yeah. It must be even more intense. Yeah, exactly. Um I mean and and I you know that it strikes me as well when I'm when I'm performing as well for sure, but it's definitely it's at its most intense uh when I'm directing, um whether it's in the rehearsal room or or meetings, that's yeah, that's that's the demon. And, and, you know, and, and I, I do know, like, at my base level, 
I, I feel confident and I feel capable and I know that I'm doing what I should be doing, mm-hmm. uh, in life. Um, but yeah, but that, that guy, that voice is just the worst. So um, how do you find yourself trying to talk your way out of that? Well, I mean, I, I try to, I try to tell my, to give myself permission to feel that way and not mm-hmm. because if it doesn't really work to just ignore it yeah. <laughs> or to tell it to go away because that kind of just makes it stronger for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I feel like sitting in it and being like, you know, that's okay. And, and also reminding myself that most other people in the room probably also feel this way. Um, but just knowing that, you know, I don't have to have all the answers and that part of my job is to fill the room with other creative, capable people and to create an environment in which we can all do, all work together and, and fail together and that yeah. that's fine. <laughs> um, and that's <laughs> And that it's how... only going to make the end product better yeah. if everybody in the room is yeah. at a great level. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and everybody says, like, you know, be... Sometimes people say, like, do be the weakest person in the room. Like, work with people who are better than you because it pushes you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, you know, I try to remind myself of that as well. That I'm just, uh, that in in letting these feelings in, I'm actually pushing myself to to be stronger. I feel like after a while, too, you kind of figure out that, oh, this, I've felt this feeling before. Yes. And it will pass. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that's something (laughs) I, I, there, I have this feeling that I call the fog that always, okay. yeah, that, and, and it will settle upon me uh-huh. <laughs> during production. Usually like depends how long it is, but it, you know, yeah. it's always the same place, whether it's like a three day process or a six week process or whatever, or a year or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's, I get to the same place and I start out thinking, this is great. It's going to be different this time. I'm so prepared. I, I, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Like, I've had all these ideas. Um, and and I'm, I'm ready. And I know that the fog is coming. I know it's coming. And every time it comes, it still feels like the first time. I yeah. still have those feelings of, I can't see this play. Uh, I don't know what story I'm telling. I don't know what we're (laughs) what we're doing here um but but then and you just you know you just power through it and it does the fog lifts (laughs) and I go through this every time and yet it's still every time when it comes it feels like a new thing which is remarkable yeah Um, I totally go through that too yeah and then you realize later like oh that must just be part of the process but in the moment it's like oh no this is real Right. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and yes, exactly. And with some distance, you know that that's part of the process that you right. have to have. Right. Like you I mean, what would a process be like where you knew exactly what you were doing every step of the way? I mean, that would be so boring <laughs> actually. Probably. Like because then you would just take the then, you know, whatever you're making will just be exactly what you think it's going to be at the beginning and there's no journey, there's no discovery, there's no yeah. surprises. You just are it's that's like assembly line art Mm -hmm. basically 
you're you're following the ikea you know instructions of assembly to you know put together something that will look lovely but yeah probably be pretty boring right yeah (laughs) so so i know that it's necessary uh to have those moments because out of that when you're when you're struggling through the fog and just sort of reaching out blindly Mm -hmm. you're gonna hit something you're gonna you're gonna stumble upon something that you wouldn't have found right because you get lost a little bit and you wander down this way and then you say oh over here here's this other solution or here's this other idea that's actually that's actually exciting um so yeah it's just you know it's just reminding reminding myself of that I mean, speaking of having a lot of wonderful people in the room together, that was something I wanted to ask you about because you strike me as someone who has all of these really amazing collaborators. Mm. I've been so interested and impressed with everyone that I've gotten to meet through you that you're creating the piece we're working on together with. And like, how long have you been in New York now? Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Yeah. What has that been like since you moved here, like creating Mm. that community for yourself? And what is that? give you as an artist because as a director you do need to be like part of a team like the head of the team yeah yeah i can't i can't create anything really by myself yeah um yeah that's a great question and i mean and i i have heard that before yeah well Uh, yeah actually but but every and every time i think hi i don't know i mean to me it's sort of like why how could you do this without without that Mm -hmm. um so I don't, I don't know that I have a like super articulate answer for you about well, my magic touch. No, I'm of, sure like, a lot of it has been happenstance. Yeah, exactly. You met this but, person through this, and it's just yeah. I mean, I moved when I moved here. I knew I think exactly two people in yeah. New York, um, and yeah, and it just slowly spread out from those two people. It's like I can trace pretty much everybody back, <laughs> you know. It's like a family tree or something. Yeah. A family tree of collaborative connection. It's mostly, honestly, it's like, who do I like? <laughs> it's like, who, <laughs> who do, do you want to spend that who many do hours I want, with? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> who, do I, who do I want to spend time with? And, and generally, the people that I want to spend time with in my life are also creative, um, capable people. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, mostly... It, I feel like my friendships and my working relationships, I'm lucky in that they feel really integrated. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and and generally, the people that I like spending time with discovered that they like spending time with each other and then, yeah. you know, and, and then fruitful. It, one of my favorite things as a director is seeing people that worked on one of my shows go on to collaborate on other projects really? of their own. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me feel it's like a like a theater yenta or something, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I, it just it makes me feel that makes sense. I feel very warm. I feel I that feel... way in my life. Like when I introduce friends from different circles and they end up having their own relationship, I'm like, oh yeah, I yeah, love that. <laughs> it makes yeah. me so happy. Yeah, and like, like you've you've there are so many people in this city, and I'm sure there are so many people you know, that we don't even know that we would love mm-hmm. <laughs> and we would connect with, but you're never going to meet them. So I don't know. I kind of feel like doing the kind of work that I do and one of the reasons that that I think I direct and that I work in theater at all, you know, a collaborative art form versus versus something where I'm working more individually is 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 connecting people and in building, in building community and that mm-hmm. that community slowly 
you know, expands the longer I'm here and the more people that I meet and the more people get to know each other. And, yeah. Yeah. The only other director I've interviewed was my friend Lori. And um, I asked her, I was like, I know for playwrights and for directors, you can kind of be classified by the business as an emerging, <laughs> an emerging uh, director, yes, an word. emerging playwright uh-huh. forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you What's can be... What's that been like for you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I, you can be, I don't know, people who seem like they're like pretty okay as far as like they're getting productions at, at legit theaters and like, mm-hmm. and they'll get like grants or awards that label them emerging. Right. And you're like, <laughs> and you I have think, a pretty well, good career. <laughs> interesting. If you haven't emerged, then God help all, God help us all. Because, <laughs> what, what am I doing? Like, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, just because I know there's only one director usually on all productions. So I'm sure it's very competitive. Yeah. And to be kind of looked at as a beginner all the time, has that, have you run into that? Um, yeah, I, well, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not, there, there, I mean, there are a couple of paths, I think, to, to becoming, to, to emerging, to the process <laughs> of emerging. There are a couple of sort of ways, paths that you can follow as a director. I mean, uh-huh. you can, you can assist a lot, um, and you can sort of become known that way. You can work at, you can work at the, at the established theaters and work with the established directors and, um, and just become a known quantity that way. And then eventually, you know, you have this, this amazing network of support for your own work. And, and I have friends who have been, who have been kind of going that route mm-hmm. and have had some amazing, amazing assisting opportunities. Or you can kind of just completely do your own thing and, like and you know maybe start a company or just just come right out of the gate with with a really strong voice and aesthetic mm-hmm. um that's unique and so right away people go oh like you're this thing mm-hmm. um and i don't know i get, i've had a hard time because i don't feel like either of those is quite the path for me um i've had some great assisting opportunities i i've been uh David Adjmi's assistant for a couple of years now mm-hmm. um, and having a long-term sort of mentor assistant relationship has been incredibly rewarding right. and to be able to work with him on a couple of processes and a couple of plays and not and just one production yeah yeah and two productions of the same play even um, that's been really valuable I think I've and I and but and he's really the only person that I've assisted in New York Mostly, I worked on one show at Columbia with um, Adriana Bear, who was fantastic. Um, now she works in Portland now. Um, but um, what am I saying? Uh, <laughs> I. So you've kind of taken a different route then. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. I I, I have not been interested for better or for worse. Um, I have not right. been interested in spending a lot of time working my way up in the sort of established places but nor you know I I started a company when I moved here um and and worked with them pretty much exclusively for the first couple of years that I was here and and at a certain point that felt not quite right either I felt like I was tying myself too soon to this one Mm -hmm. very particular um kind of work or this particular kind of voice um 
And so not really feeling like either of those paths is right has been difficult because I feel like I'm really sort of like bushwhacking <laughs> out <Right>. there. Like, <laughs> like nobody is doing, there's no path specifically for me to, to follow. Like there's right. nobody really that I look to and think like, oh, like I want to be, that's exactly. that's exactly what I want. Although also I think when you were in your conversation with Jude, mm -hmm. I feel like I remembered something where he was saying like, don't do, like you don't want to do that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to be this person. Right. And and that but really. when you're in it, you think like, well, that would be much easier if I did do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like why isn't there a model again? Right. Like where are the Ikea like step-by-step -step, yeah. like assembly <laughs> instructions for my career? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but they're not this there. This podcast is sponsored by promotional yeah. <laughs> <laughs> consideration. Mm. Um, yeah. That's so I guess, I mean, uh, to go back to your, and where we started this with, with emerging, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of tough to be almost 30 and mm. to still feel like in terms of the industry at large, like, right. yeah, who are you? Right. <laughs> but I, at the same time, you know, I've, you know, I've, I feel, I feel more comfortable in my place here and I feel more okay with that um, than I did, you know, maybe a few years ago and, and yeah. more, and more, more comfortable with being, with striking out on my own. Um, and That's and great. looking for and looking for absolutely looking for opportunities you know within established theaters there are there are people that I'm hoping will come see this show that we're working on you know yeah. um, but also but also feeling free to just sort of follow from project to project what seems right for me at the moment and trust. Um, that right. that's good. If it's something that you're passionate about, yeah, it's worthwhile. Yeah, and trust that exactly, exactly, yeah. That, that the passion of the project that's what really like sets yeah. things back on track for me when i think about it i'm like well you know i'll get down or i'll get to the dark side and i'll be like actually like i'm really proud of what i've done mm -hmm. in the past few years like all the projects i've done even if they haven't been seen by the people who i wanted to see them or they right. haven't been paid the uh, what i wish i were paid to do them i've done really good work with good people that i love yeah and that i'm proud of and that's important yeah yeah, that's very important for me. I mean, I, <laughs> it's a big I thing think... to be able to say. At least you're not doing like, oh, I've been doing extra work, and that's it, and I don't feel creatively fulfilled. Right. Like, yeah. Passion yeah. projects. I've, I guess I've, I've chosen to focus on things that are, that are always personally exciting and personally fulfilling, rather than something that I feel like is going to, you know, quote unquote, advance my career. Right. Um, but that you might not connect with. But that I don't connect with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, and I, I mean, I've been, you're catching me. This is, this is, <laughs> I've been thinking <laughs> the, the, this, uh, this conversation is happening at a point in my life when I'm really struggling with a lot of these questions or, yeah. and, and attempting to, you know, look forward at what I want, you know, the next 10 years of my life to look like and, and the, um, and the, uh, the container for making my art and what, what shape that's going to take, you know, what, what circumstances do I need to set up for myself right. so that I can, uh, I can work in the way that I find fulfilling. And, and that's, I mean, and I've sort of settled, it seems very obvious, but, but, making work I like with people I love has really emerged as the priority, um, like mm -hmm. as a long-term priority, yeah. um, more than anything else. 
Um, and so, of course, then, so now that's leading to me to sort of the micro questions of where does this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I make this financially sustainable? Um, but I feel like I have my north, the, the north on the compass, you know, as, you know to, <laughs> well, to be on the yeah, nose. That's a, big, <laughs> that's a big thing to even know that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. But how, yeah, do, how do you deal with what do you do for your day job stuff? Um, I've been working. Job. I've been doing restaurant work for the last five years. How do you, how does that mesh with the schedule you need to do your it's, artistic? Stuff? I mean, it's been it's been pretty great, mostly in uh, in ter- flexibility wise. Um, I've also been lucky that apparently <laughs> apparently people think I'm a good worker, so <laughs> so I've been. At, I mean, I'm, artists. I feel like artists if they're if they decide to do the job, they're so capable. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times people in other industries are like, oh, you really know how to get things done. Yeah. And focus. And yeah. Be effective. Totally. So I've been lucky that I've, that my restaurant jobs have all lasted a long time and, and pretty quickly, you know, I, I build up enough trust that people, that, the, you know, people who are doing the scheduling uh, allow me to take the time that I need, you know, in exchange for, you know, they know that when I'm more available, I'll put in the time. It's a right. trade-off. I try to make myself as available as possible when I don't have an intensive production schedule or I'm not mm-hmm. working on, or I'm working on something that's, you know, more personal and more flexible so that when I'm in, you know, when I'm in a whole, a six-week rehearsal process that involves, you know, 25 other people and is structured like what we're working on now that I <laughs> I can go in and be like listen what I need. <laughs> this is what's happening um so that's been good um you know I have <laughs> I have mixed I have a sort of love-hate relationship with with restaurants and with with service particularly because I yeah. in some ways I feel that I mean that it's actually very much in line with my job as a director um which is to uh, provide a stellar experience, basically. I mean, as a director, I'm kind of in the service business. Right. I need to make sure that you, you know, the audience member, you know, like the diner, like, are you comfortable? Like, what is the ambiance like? What is, right. you know, what the, the pacing of the food coming out? Um, are you ordering something that you're going to like? Am I making sure that you're trying new things and not just getting the same, <laughs> like, hamburger every time? You know, what's the, the balance between, between letting you discover new things and also making sure that you leave satisfied mm-hmm. um, and enriched? Um, yeah, so so I don't know. So as a server, I mean, I was a server for a long time. Now I'm a host. Um, uh, as a server, particularly, you know that that sense of of guiding the right. meal is is I think is a lot like directing. Um, and yeah, and generally, and there's something you know eating. I mean that the food odyssey play that that you were in, which yeah. was so lovely. Um, the 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 community um, and ritual and love around around dining um is a beautiful thing and is has a lot of crossover i think with why we go to the theater and why we make theater yeah now on the other hand <laughs> then you have to be like dragged down every day by the right uh, I'm, stuff right exactly too. and then there's just there's the nitty-gritty stuff and there's the beautiful horrible complicated mess that is you know humanity yeah. <laughs> and and you know there are absolutely lovely people that I've met um 
and there are really people who make me question, (laughs) (laughs) who make me want to just, you know, be a hermit uh, (laughs) and never interact with anyone again. Um, So there's that. The hours can be draining. That's Mm -hmm. something that I'm struggling with, you know, right now. It's my job now is, is long hours. It's great. Um, but it's long hours and it just leaves me tired. I, I, so I'm essentially working two full-time jobs right now and that's not sustainable, frankly, um, in the long term. Right. I, am reaching a point where I think, well, (laughs) I can't, you know, this has been great for my twenties. It's let me do what I need to do. But as I'm moving, I'm thinking, as I'm thinking about moving into the next phase, what is, what can I find that's going to nourish me and not take up half my week mm-hmm. um because and to give you more than just the bare bones like oh i can pay my bills yeah but to give me a savings account and the investments yeah. and all of that yeah exactly that adults are supposed to do yeah <laughs> all yes exactly all of those things those things yeah me yeah. too well let's talk about the tower now because yeah, i want to make sure we talk about it i'm so glad and so thankful that you and adam invited me to participate like two years ago mm-hmm. now in this this project because it's been so much fun that's a really big thing for a director it seems it's like having playwrights who you have a partnership with and you can have a relationship with and that really gives you kind of the longevity of like oh I have this person who's always gonna you know hopefully look to me or like one sure. other person for their work because we speak the same language yeah and it's been so interesting to see you guys develop this piece together from a workshop that Adam then wrote the script afterward mm-hmm. from the the stuff we created in that. Had you done that before? No. Uh, not, well, we had, back with Lunar Energy, which uh, was my company that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, that I started when I moved here, when we were working on... Um, Nadia Sepsenwall had the idea to do a uh, a updated Three Sisters, um, which you ended up being in, which was wonderful. <laughs> Through some term um, events, yeah. Yeah, and at the uh, at the beginning of at the beginning of that process, um, we had we did I led a few sort of investigatory okay. workshops into um, into the Chekhov, um, just to sort of work on you know sort of character building and and sort of what in the text was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that is like based on a different kind of source material than what the yeah is. yeah and and it wasn't and it was just really sort of like you know it was like two or three days it was like once mm-hmm. a month and then and really Nadia and Tim then went and you know sort of and made their own thing whereas the the tower was really the first time that I had done something as extensive as that two week workshop that we did mm-hmm. um, to just to just start from the ground up completely um, I mean Adam had. Adam had ideas about about you know the historical figures that he wanted to include and and the events and sort of the the you know what the thread was, um, but we really and and we had met a couple times you know the two of us and and Maya, uh, who was our uh, historian and dramaturg, um, who was also you know instrumental in figuring out what you know the bones of this piece were going to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, we came in into rehearsal. I mean, you remember, we just had a lot of, we just, we threw so much stuff at you guys. <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, you guys were, so, you guys were total champions. Um, but it worked somehow. Yeah, it did. It <laughs> I did. I was impressed I, with how much material we generated in those two weeks. Yeah. We made a remarkable amount of very diverse uh-huh. stuff. 
Um, some of which is still in the show. Now. Some of which is still in the show, and some of which it has been a journey to let go of, actually. Yeah. Um, over the last few iterations of the process, I think it was like about two weeks ago. Adam cut a line that had come out of a composition that you guys made on the very first day of the very first <laughs> workshop. Wow. And it had been in the script ever since. And we hmm. just had this moment of like, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> you get so Thank- attached to that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was pretty fascinating. It was pretty fascinating, you know, sort of coming up. Thing, uh, Adam and Maya and I, you know, co- uh, coming up with the container, basically. And then you guys filled the containers. Um in this really sort of magical alchemical way. Um, and then Adam, you know, we took, we took that, we had conversations about it. Uh, Adam and Maya and I went to Donner Lake, Mm -hmm. the site where the party was trapped and that was hugely influential. Um, so yeah. And then that all went into the script. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, I've never before staged a script because there is a script. I mean, you know, there's a concrete script. It's not, yeah. It's not real. It's not a devised piece, you know. We're not, but the script comes from devised exercises right. um, and and the work that we all did together. So it's it's very it's a totally unique challenge and interesting experience to to stage something uh, that now has this very you know concrete form and task that must be accomplished, but that has this sort of like bubbling magma underneath <laughs> of all the ideas and things that came from from the devising process um and and i mean and we i we're not like we are not the first people to have ever done this uh, i mean we were inspired by carol churchill and joint stock particularly and the way that they did um that they had workshops for um for cloud nine. Oh, um, i don't know about that history yeah so Carol Churchill uh, was working with Joint Stock, the company led by Max Stafford Clark um, in England in the 70s. And they they just they got together and they they had conversations. They talked about gender roles um, and their own personal experiences. And they did improvisations and character work and then brought in their own stuff. And um, and then she she went away and wrote the play. Okay after you know after these workshops incorporating a lot of a lot of stuff or a lot of conversations that they had had Mm. um so yeah so we were we were inspired by that process um but yeah this is certainly the only time that i've i had this is the first time that i've worked that way but i found it quite fascinating Um, (laughs) and i'm actually i'm working on another play with uh claire keechel who's a, a playwright friend um we started a similar process uh, working on a piece called Lulu is Hungry, mm-hmm. um, which is we started out with uh, Frank Wedekind's or Wedekind, excuse me, <laughs> uh, his uh, play Lulu uh-huh. or his Lulu plays rather because there are several of them. Um, and, you know, this started as just a conversation one night. We were like, let's adapt Lulu. All right, you know, neither of us having read it in, you know, years and years. And then we read it and discovered that we (laughs) don't like it very much. Um, uh, But in in talking and thinking about this piece, we found all these things that we were interested in exploring. And so now we've um, we've been having workshops for, you know, over like the end of the summer, the last couple of weeks. And 
now Claire is going and writing a piece, you know, based off of Very based cool. off of what we've been talking about. So we have a, a presentation in December. Um, well, yeah. one of the things that I found I still find so effective about the way you work is that you're such a physical director. Hmm. Um, and I love that because I've found myself to be a really physically driven actor as well, at least in, I love to dance and I kind of love getting outside myself in that way. Um, where does that come from? Ah, uh, good question. Um, it, I just feel like it makes the, de- as far as developing these pieces like this, yeah. with the playwrights, it gives it another dimension rather than just sitting around a table and having sure. a, a table read or like an intellectual conversation about what they might write yeah um i don't know i i i mean some of my 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 training i have a little bit of like suzuki viewpoints training background mm-hmm. when i was in college um and i think i i, I okay here we go when i was a kid <laughs> i had this phase where i wanted to be a dancer mm-hmm. um i was i was little and i wanted to take ballet classes um, I don't know how old I was, probably like eight or so, seven or eight. Um, and you know, like I was listening to like all the, you know, Tchaikovsky ballets, the Nutcracker and Sleeping Beauty all the time. And, you know, my parents took me to see, you know, Swan Lake for my, you know, birthday when I was seven or eight or something. And I, I thought I wanted to dance and I, and so they, they, uh, bought me a ballet class. And I went and I was the only boy mm-hmm. and I, I freaked out and I couldn't do it. I, yeah, I was too, I was too nervous. I was too conscious, I guess, of the sort of the social, mm-hmm. um, pressures or conditioning, I guess, of like, oh, you're a boy. Like, and I, and right. I don't know, probably in New York, I'm sure in New York city there are, you know, little little boys taking dance classes everywhere <laughs> but in suburban western not suburban and you know sort of semi-rural western massachusetts that was definitely not the case right. <laughs> um and so i never took the dance class Aww. um and i think i sort of i let that go for a long time um and i really only discovered and i was pretty i was very uncomfortable in my body uh for most of my adolescence um high school years mm-hmm. um and then I got to college and I guess I worked with the director who was my mentor in college she liked to incorporate a lot of dance into her pieces um and so I started kind of doing this stuff you know performing in her shows um and I and I started to realize that I really enjoyed moving um and incorporating that and so late very lately i've been trying to get back in touch with that part of myself and i've been lucky enough to i met dan safer um who runs the company witness relocation on the la mama uh director's retreat Hmm. um he was he was a teaching artist um and so i took this amazing workshop that he was that he led showing us a bunch of his techniques for um for making movement and specifically for making movement for non-dancers yeah. and how you as a director can make movement without formal dance training mm-hmm. um which i had been sort of starting to play with in my work um using some mostly viewpoints techniques techniques uh, pulled pulled and slightly adjusted from from viewpoints but but then dan sort of gave me this whole new set of tools um, for, uh, for making for using movement, um, 
even if you are not a dancer and you don't have to be a dancer and the people you're working with don't have to be dancers like our bodies are are beautiful and all move in these wonderful specific ways um and you can just build you can build movement with whatever you're working with in the room and whoever you have in the room can make something something fascinating to watch Mm um and so yeah and so i and and so working with him and then I've been lucky enough to get to perform in a couple of, of his shows as well. Um, and so that's been really great to sort of rediscover that, you know, the repressed <laughs> seven year old ballerina urges yes. <laughs> finally have an outlet. Um, oh, I'm so sad I yeah. haven't seen you perform yet. Yeah. I really want to. It'll happen. <laughs> but yeah, and I guess, I mean, and you were talking about being and being a physical based actor. Um, I mean, for, for me... I would much rather I've I think I've used the word container like 18 times in this interview but I I I feel like it's my job to provide the container um to provide the structure um and that it's the job of the actor to 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 bring themselves to that and to fill and to fill it in with mm-hmm. whatever is happening for you right. um so and that's, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've cast an actor because, because I trust them and because I find them interesting mm-hmm. as a person. I find them, you know, they're energetically, there's something about them that's interesting, mm-hmm. um, to watch. Um, and so for me, like, it's not my job to get in your head and to like, to mess with what's going on for you and your process internally like of course I'm available to to answer questions or to talk about the character you know about the scenes the dramaturgy anything that will help you to do that job but it's not my job to do that work you know it's my job to empower you to do that work Mm. um and so for me a lot of the reason that I I think that I do I work, you know, I'm like, okay, this is where you are. This is where you are in this scene. This is the, this is the physical journey that you go through in this scene. Um, and like, these are the rules of the scene, or these are the rules of the text that we're working. These are the rules of the text that we're working with. And these are the rules physically that we're working Mm -hmm. with. Um, I see it as my job to be clear about those and to make sure that, that you all are clear about those. And then, and then the rest of it you fill in. Like that's not, yeah, that's not really for me to, to determine. Hmm. I don't know. That's my, that's my perspective. Obviously, different people work different ways, but, <laughs> but that's where I'm, that's what I'm starting to come to. I think as my, yeah. as my, my belief of what my job is personally. I'm not not saying all directors, but for me. No, of course. I guess it's been it's been so poignant for me on this process just because we're dealing with such extreme physical mm, things. We're mm-hmm. dealing with the cold. We're dealing with hunger. We're dealing with hallucinatory psychedelic <laughs> dream Psychedelic dance numbers, yeah. <laughs> so it's been, it's just been so apparent to me to like, oh, this is, he's so good at working this way and this is, mm. I enjoy this about his directing. I don't know if we were working on an Arthur Miller play together if it would be a different experience. Right, I don't know. It would just know. be more I don't, subtle. I don't know either. I have never worked on <laughs> an Arthur Miller play. I don't know what I, I don't know what I would do with an yeah. Arthur Miller play, but I am, I um, Ivo Van Hova is having a serious moment right now <laughs> in New York theater, but 
But his productions, especially the first one that I saw, The Little Foxes. Yeah, I saw that. Oh my gosh. Uh, that exploded for me uh, the possibilities of, um, of, of the physical life mm-hmm. of, of a play. And I, I still have, I'm, you know, I'm still sort of, I'm still processing <laughs> what I learned like from that piece and, and from, and from his work. But, but just that like, uh, naturalism or what am I saying? Um, extreme physicality can reflect emotional truth that the, 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 the emotional truth doesn't have to mean pure realism and naturalism in the physical life of, of a piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he, you know, he had people were like clawing the walls and punching each other and it was just, but it all felt completely motivated and authentic to what was happening between those characters yeah and so that's that's something that i guess i'm i'm still i'm still looking for how i can how i can use that so yeah so i don't know what i would do with (laughs) arthur miller but but one day we'll find out one day we'll find out well yeah it would be it would probably be the crucible it would have to be the crucible oh that'd be amazing and like i weirdly tied to the tower i feel like in Mm. some way Yeah, at one point Adam and I were like, "What's next? What's next for antimatter uh, uh, and witches?" <laughs> was oh, one I would of the love things, to do that place. Sometimes. One of the things that came um, up. Yeah, I think I have. I think I have some Salem, a Salem yeah. witch thing in me somewhere. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. TBD. Well, you said you grew up in Massachusetts. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. My my folks that live in Boston now, so I I can go up and. Yeah, um, I don't want to keep you too much longer because you have to go to rehearsal. Can I ask just a quick? Yeah. What is your family's relation to you being an artist? You oh, being sure. In the theater? Yeah. Um, they're and they're they're great. They're very they're totally cool with it. They're very supportive. It's always made sense to them. Yeah, it's totally made sense to them. That's and I awesome. think I mean I think it was a <laughs> it was never a surprise because I was always uh, I was always interested in the arts mm-hmm. and I was always, I mean, I, you know, I told you I had this ballet phase. I had yeah. an opera phase. Um, <laughs> I had a repertory company of stuffed animals. Yes. Um, but like actually like a repertory company, like this was like a six year thing. Like they all had, you know, and they all had personalities. They all had, there were specific <laughs> kind of roles that like the specific animals right. were, were, were suited for. Like I Obviously had the polar bear. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Like there was a killer whale and he was usually the villain. Um, you know, there was a little cat who was an ingenue and her, her boyfriend, the tiger was, you know, usually the leading man. And, (laughs) and, you know, so it was all very, and like, and I, I mean, there was manufactured offstage drama. Like I had really like created this whole (laughs) world. Um, and their material. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I think they knew exactly what was going on, but yeah, I mean, their material evolved too, as I got older you know it was like first it was the nutcracker and then it was like andrew lloyd weber and hmm. <laughs> i think they had of to course. sit through phantom of the opera with stuffed animals once of course. i mean bless them <laughs> <laughs> so yes they've they've Aww. always been they've always been very supportive and and my dad is a is a bishop in the episcopal church That's right. um and i think that actually that growing up in the church had a huge influence yeah. on 
on the path that I ended it's up so taking. It's so presentational. It's so performative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ritual yeah. Um, of the liturgy. <laughs> it's really it's it's a it's a spectacle. And that same thing um, we were talking about about like bringing community together. Yes. And, like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's all the it's all the reasons that I mean reasons that people go to church. Yeah. I'd go to theater exactly. <laughs> and make theater. Um, it can be when you have that electric energy that feels like a congregation almost, you know, and yeah, yeah I mean, without getting too much into where my own spirituality resides these days, I, mm-hmm. um, I think there is something sacred um, in gathering a group of people together um, to, to watch, uh, and to live through and share Mm -hmm. human experience together. Yeah. What in whatever, in whatever form you do that. Um, are there any concrete things you find yourself turning to again and again when you are going to the dark side and you're, Mm. there's a book you read over and over again or Mm. an album or a place you go? Uh, Greenwood Cemetery. (laughs) It's weird. You're like, where do where do you go uh, when you encounter the dark side? A cemetery. Um, <laughs> but I I find cemeteries weirdly soothing. <laughs> um, well, there's like a reverence there. Yeah, it's it feels it feels calm. Um, it there's usually not many people around, and it yeah it just feels like a quiet space and also and, but also the energy of of everyone else who is there Mm -hmm. for, you know, hundreds of years of, of people who are there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it feels like a place that I can at once be completely alone with my thoughts and, uh, and not alone. Whereas it's sort of the opposite of what a lot of New York can feel like sometimes, which is being surrounded by people, anonymous in a crowd, but completely alone. Um, I don't know. I get I get the opposite oh, feeling of that in, in Greenwood. It's like I'm alone, but oh. but spiritually I'm not. Um, so that's a place for sure. I don't know about specific books, but but I usually I usually try if I have time. Unfortunately, now I just I don't have time. Mm-hmm. But I I usually have have a book going like a novel um, or short stories or something. It just helps me to 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 live in somebody else's world um for a while take Um, the focus off of yourself yeah yeah exactly um yeah and music i know you've been super busy have you seen any shows recently you want to give a shout out to recently um i can't even remember the last piece (laughs) of theater that i saw oh well i saw uh lear de bessonet's staging of the odyssey um, at the Delacorte in the Ooh. Public Works program, um, and also her Winner's Tale last year, and I think that program, um, and her work in general, but that program in particular is the most extraordinary thing. It's she uh, has pulled together uh, many different community groups from from all five boroughs, um, and it's 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 an amazing mix of professional actors um, and and just people um like uh, there's senior centers and youth choirs um and and you know uh an indian dance company a chinese mm. dance company oh, I um, wish I had seen it. yeah it's really it is 
I f- it's what I feel like that theater is for and mm. like what the what the public is really for. Yeah. But it's but it's 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 a remarkable feeling to be sitting in at the Delacorte mm-hmm. and to have it be full and every and the crowd is so present because it's full of people. There's hundreds of people on stage. There are literally hundreds of people on stage. Oh and where can you see that? Yeah. Where else can you <laughs> see that? Um, I mean, you yeah, don't get that on Broadway even. It's, nobody will fund that. No. Um, yeah, and so I'm I'm so grateful to to Oscar huh. Eustace and to and to Lear for creating this thing because it's so joyous. It really. And it feels like it truly belongs to everyone, and everyone who's there feels involved. Mm-hmm. And the stories that they're they've chosen, you know, either Shakespeare and Homer, it's you know these these right. things that and and in really making them feel like they really belong to everybody. Um, and the crowd is so diverse, such an amazing mix of ages and and people from all over the city. Um, it's it's really mm-hmm. that those two shows have been some of my favorite experiences in the theater do you want to just give a little a little spiel about the tower oh, before sure. we sign off here about yeah. how and where and when people can <laughs> yes, come see absolutely it? um so the tower uh, is being presented by uh, my company antimatter collective uh, at here art center our run begins on december 4th friday december 4th and runs through saturday the 19th uh, you can go to uh, here.org for tickets or to our website, antimattercollective.org. Yeah, it's a psychedelic journey into the history of the Donner Party, um, <laughs> which it's both very dark and very hopeful, I think. So. Well, we'll be having a good time. So yeah, I we'll hope have everybody can join time. us. I hope so too. Thank you so much. Thank you for having to you me. All day. This I'm was... sorry <laughs> we have to end this. It was lovely. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brendan Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.